the one fun thing I remember about the word Ufka that I grew up with was his, his mom lived in Stanwood, and he would be on the air every day, Monday through Friday, and he was had a sense of humor, and he always liked to talk about his mom and his life and the funny things that that he had done the past week, and my grandma would just be in tune to that radio program five days a week, and I remember sitting there, and she goes, oh, Neda, Harry, Ufta, Ufta. <laughs> some funny things he would say, and so I thought, well, okay. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 161 of the Kamena Voice. Today, I speak with the founder of the Ufta shop down in downtown Stanwood, Please welcome Sandy Lindbeck. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they're going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday, uh, except for I had mentioned that this is, you know, I probably wasn't going to have any more episodes this year, and yet here I am. So happy Thanksgiving, uh, and this really is probably my last episode of the year, so um, sad news on that side. So happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, um, all the other things that you're supposed to say, and Happy New Year. Um, so this really probably will be my last one of the year. Um, and it's been a good year. Uh, it's been a fun year with the podcast. Another great year of just talking to so many fascinating people in this, uh, area. And, um, so thank you guys. Thank you to the listeners who jump in and join me on these podcasts. I really appreciate you guys. Um, again, always, you can email me at voice at commandocommons.com if you have any suggestions or, um, you know, interview people and, um, all of that. So, um, this is kind of a surprise episode because it's, you know, one that you didn't expect, hopefully. So, anyways, uh, this episode, I get to speak to Sandy Lindbeck, who, uh, she has been with, uh, in the San Juan Camino area for a while, uh, and many of you might know the Ufta shop, which is in Viking Village. Um, many of you have probably driven past it, seen it, know it iconically, but maybe you haven't gone in. Uh, if you haven't, I encourage you to go in because um, it's such an awesome shop. Um, when we first moved up here, um, it was um, a place that my dad would take us to um, all the time because he thought the things, the little tchotchke gifts she has in there, um, she has a great sense of humor and has brought in um, terrific gifts that just are hilarious when you see them. Um, and we talk a little bit about that on this podcast. Um but um, she also has some nice gifts in there as well, some art, um, you know, handmade things. Um, and her dad and his cousin um, were both musicians. Um, one of them was pretty well known that her cousin, her dad's cousin, uh, was Stan Borison. Um, so many of you may not know that name, um, but back in the day was a very popular um, singer. And so he would stop in the Ufta shop. Um, she would use, she used to play his music in there pretty often. And so that'd be playing. Uh, and my dad bought many of his tapes during that time. Um, yes, cassette tapes. Uh, if you don't remember that, <laughs> that's what we were buying. Um, so anyways, we get into all of that. She actually was working a, a real, 
you know, a, a career type of job, uh, opened the Ufta shop on the side, uh, and now after retirement continues to work the Ufta shop seven days a week. So uh, be sure to stop in if you have not and say hi to her. Tell her that you heard her on the podcast. So um, without further ado, here's my conversation with Sandy. Lindsay. Hey, Anderson, welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of the Ufta shop down in Stanwood. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Sandy Lindbeck. Well, hi, it's nice to be here, Brandon. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Sandy. Well, what do we want to know about Sandy? I grew up in the beautiful city north of here, Mount Vernon. Uh, I went to first grade through high school in Mount Vernon. And uh, that was just a wonderful community to grow up in. My dad was a very active individual in the city. He had, oh, a, a hardware store, an appliance store, a furniture store. He uh, started an A&W drive-in. And I guess the most popular thing and the, the love of his life was to have a dance hall, which I think he bought at age uh, 26, 27, which I still can't imagine. It was called the Seven Seaters. Okay. And so for... Those people in this area, your mom and dad, your, your, your grandparents probably attended a lot of my dad's dances. He had an 18-piece band, and it was just something very uh, uh, popular for the area. People came up from Seattle and all over the country to, to dance to his music. And so I was very fortunate to grow up in a musical family Yeah, and the love of my life. That's awesome. So the, did he, the uh, stores he owned, did he own like downtown on the strip of yes, Mount Vernon? Yes, and there was Burt Robinson Hardware, and it was right next to the bridge, the Skagit Bridge. Yeah. And it was a, a large store there, and then he added appliances, and then he added a furniture store next door. Okay. And he just kept doing all these fun things, and he was quite an entrepreneur, I guess, which I, I realize now. <laughs> and he even, you'll like this, he had his own radio program. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And, uh, I guess the one fun thing I remember about the word Ufta that I grew up with was his, his mom lived in Stanwood, and he would be on the air every day, Monday through Friday, and he was had a sense of humor, and he always liked to talk about his mom and his life and the funny things that, that he had done the past week, and my grandma would just be in tune to that radio program five days a week, and I remember sitting there, and she goes, oh, Neda, Harry, Ufta, Ufta. <laughs> Some funny things he would say, and so I thought, well, okay. And then when I was around her, she said "ufta" a lot, and I, so I don't know if I was a brat or what. <laughs> certainly grew up with that word. Very cool. So um, you grew up in the Mount Vernon area. Uh, did you go to school? Uh... I was a Mount Vernon bulldog. Okay. Oh yes. Nice. And it was. My dad was the president of the. Uh, what was at the uh, Bulldog Club or whatever, and uh, he was a real sports fan. And, and one thing about growing up in Mount Vernon, especially in being in high school, uh, the parents were so enthusiastic, and uh, football was just a very big thing in, in the community, and mm -hmm. basketball. And uh, so that was, that was really fun. Yes, I graduated from Mount Vernon High School. Yep. Nice. Very cool. So then uh, where did you go? What did you do after high school? Well, after high school, I went to Central Washington State College, which is now Central Washington University in Ellensburg. Okay. And I had a wonderful time at that school. And uh, in my senior year, I guess I had a, an accident. I broke my arm and I ended up at the Skagit Valley 
hospital for a oh. short time and I had to stay home. So I didn't get to graduate the same year as all my friends. I was a year later. Oh, no. So anyway, I, I did graduate at Central. And uh, my dad always wondered, well, what are you doing over there in college? I said, well, what's your major? I said, well, dad, I'm majoring in psychology, minoring in psychology and sociology and recreational management. And he'd tell his friends, well, I guess she just plays volleyball a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure what she's doing, but I'm paying for it. <laughs> so anyway, the fun thing was at my graduation at Central, I was able to tell my folks that day that I have, I have a job, dad. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't need to ask you for money anymore. I've got a job. And I had a job in Germany. And okay. I, and uh, so I, I worked for, it was a, a branch of the government called Special Services. Okay. So I flew to Washington, D.C., met 17 other women, and we went to military bases uh, throughout Germany. And I was lucky to go to a little area called Gerpingen between Stuttgart and Munich. Okay. And I was a recreation director on the base, and I took, well, it was difficult for a while. I didn't know where I was going. The soldiers, I should say, took me on the tours. But every Sunday, <laughs> I had to arrange tours and things for the, the activities for the soldiers. Mm -hmm. And I guess the most important, important thing for me was once I was indoctrinated in the German culture and I had met the German people I fell in love with, uh, it, I really felt it was important to get the guys out of the service club and to get them off into the community to meet the Germans and to uh, learn a little bit about the culture. Yeah. And uh, we did get very much involved with German orphanages. And that was really a fun thing oh, nice. for the soldiers where we'd have Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving. We would go out to the orphanages and bring the children back to the service club. And we would have a big party, and this, every soldier had a child assigned to them. And it was so special. And after, after those events, I could see how it changed some of the guys, where they even went out and bought a car, and they would go to that orphanage and see that child throughout their stay there oh, in Germany. Cool. And it was so special to me. Yeah. And so I, I felt that I could change the lives somewhat of those soldiers, and they ex had a bit better experience in, in Germany. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. And had you gone out, um, <clears throat> like prior to that, were you going out into the city and, and everything and kind of getting to know the area? Yeah, yes, uh-huh. Oh, definitely. I traveled all the time. Every weekend I was off to either France or Switzerland or Austria. And I was there probably two weeks, and I met my best friend who was in the travel business. She was a travel agent uh, on the military base. Everybody knew her. She was wonderful, and she took me home to to her house one night and that was it I, I met the family fell in love with them and they were in my life for 35 years oh very cool yeah nice so then uh, experience when you were over there then um what else were you were you doing over there in germany uh well i was primarily just working i lived in a uh i had bachelor officers uh status i lived at, at the bachelor officers quarters and that that was very nice and then i on my weekends i i would travel with my friends did a lot of skiing I uh, went to Zermatt, Switzerland a lot, I uh, to France. I love Switzerland. I had a very good friend near Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, I loved Austria. Yeah. And uh, I just fell in love with Bavaria, southern Germany. Yeah. I, I just felt like, you know, I was a little gnome one day in my life. And I, I lived <laughs> in a tree trunk or something because I identified with, with the paintings, with the uh, woodworking, the chalets and everything. 
it's that's just a love for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So then, um, <laughs> where did that take you afterwards? Then. Where did it take me afterwards? I came home to to uh, my family wanted me to come back to the states, so I thought, okay, I better come home, and I I did, and I worked in private recreation for about two years. And uh, that was uh, at a big apartment complex in Redmond, Washington, called 6001. It was a premier new uh, type of uh, apartments uh, with a clubhouse. Uh, I think it was a million-dollar clubhouse that overlooked a swimming pool, and it was beautiful. But they couldn't figure out why the clubhouse had never been used. And uh, people really weren't coming to, to, to take part in activities or come up to the clubhouse and use the pool anyway. They hired me, and I was a social director there, and all of a sudden we got that place moving and hopping, and we got people coming in and renting. And Anyway, I was the recreation director for two years nice. there. What did you do to try and get people to actually come out and use the facilities? Well, I got the residents, or 1,500 residents uh, that live there, and I would meet them as they came up to the clubhouse, and I would find out, oh, you're a photographer. Well, fine, let's do a photography show next month, or uh, you're a chef. Okay, let's do, I need your help with a, let's do a Mother's Day uh, a breakfast or something like that. I just got the residents involved. Okay. And uh, that place was just really hopping. We had, I had to do a, a monthly uh, paper, a four-page paper. It was delivered the first of every every month to every individual there, and with a feature program in the front of the calendar, and then seven days a week programs. Wow. I could never do it again. <laughs> but the fun thing was, like on Mother's Day, I had the fathers cooking, and on Father's Day, I had the mothers cooking, <laughs> and uh, it was really neat because there was so much talent within the people that lived there, and the age group was 19 to. <clears throat> 85. Wow. And my best friend was a little lady from uh, Ireland. And <laughs> I had her at the billiards tournaments. She was, I had guys teaching older women to play, uh, uh, learn pool. And uh, uh, we had uh, some athletic classes in the, in the uh, gym. And it just, it was just fun getting everybody involved, and it, it just became a really a, a fun place. And then as the rental agents brought people through, they would introduce them to me, and we'd talk about the programs. And it, might, it was kind of the frosting on the cake that people might think, well, I think that maybe we'll, we'll live here. This sounds like fun, rather than rent a place somewhere else. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was really fun. I could never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I could never do that job again. Yeah, well... <laughs> What's really neat is, is seeing just in those two things that you've just talked about, um, a very important thing in, in what you've built in both places was that sense of community and getting yeah. people involved. That's it. That's it. That's true. Was that something that true. growing up you kind of were that within the family? or? Uh, well, I don't know if I was. Around. I think in high school, yes. I was pretty active in high school. A lot of friends that we did crazy things together. And yeah. I've yeah. always been pretty active that way, and I like getting people together. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. Very bet, cool. Chip. I do. <laughs> awesome. So where did that? Where did you go after that then? Where did I go after that? Okay, so I was there for a couple years, and then I, uh, I I don't know where I saw the ad that they were looking for a sports club coordinator at the University of Washington. Okay. And I had no clue. Well, what is that? And I thought I would apply, and then I I, I did have a phone call, and they wanted me to come for an interview. So uh, I did go for an interview. And uh, I was fortunate that, that I did get that job. 
and so I worked 30 years. The, the UFTA shop has not been my career. I had a career at the University of Washington, sports club coordinator okay. for the Department of Recreational Sports Programs, and that is right ne- the IMA. It's right next to the Husky Stadium. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful facility. We Toward the end of my career, uh, we had an expansion of the facility, 45,000, a million, I think, expansion. And it's the, the students there now are so lucky that they have that wonderful gym mm-hmm. and pool and wonderful facility. Nice. So I spent 30 years there. Okay. Yes. What was your, uh, how did your job evolve? Because whenever I hear people that have worked at a place for that much time, I'm always wondering, like, what are the things that they continue to evolve within the job? Um, I know there's always the day-to-day stuff, but what, what other things went on, and, and what was it when you started there versus when you left there? Well, I guess when I started there, it was something like I, I had 24 student organizations. These are club sports like mm-hmm. rugby, lacrosse, martial arts. And when I left there, we had 34. So it was just a matter of uh, uh, assisting uh, student groups as they wanted to be active with our program. And uh, so that evolved uh, quite a bit from the time that I started until I, I ended my career. The 10, 15 more groups that we added. And now I, I have no idea with COVID and everything. I just don't know what happened with the facility because we did we wouldn't have had the fields there and they wouldn't have been able to use the facility much. And so I don't, I don't know what's really happened. Yeah. But um, it was just the growth of the program, listening to the students. What are their needs? Why do they, why do they want this martial arts club? What can we do to help them? Uh, what about this uh, new, new group of students that want to play handball out and they need a field? Uh, and just to listen to them and find out, well, what are your needs? How can we help you? Do you fit into this program? Can we provide something for, for your group? Yeah. And, and the nice thing about this program is uh, it's the, the difference between a varsity sport and a club sport. And my clubs would a lot of times complain that, well, gee, we, you know, we don't, we're not like the football. We're not like the football team. We don't have the fancy uniforms, and we don't have this, and we don't have that. But on the other hand, you know, these clubs, they did receive a small budget from the university out of student fees. And they, the nice thing is that they had the opportunity to participate yep. against other colleges, other club sports in an intercollegiate manner. Okay. Not a varsity sport, but you have to realize, too, if you're a varsity sport, you might not have the oppor- opportunity to participate. The uh, women's soccer club, they wanted to become a varsity sport. Yeah. So I had the athletic director come over and talk to the students. This is what a varsity sport is, and this is how you more or less train and would qualify and you need to to qualify to get the scholarship etc and uh, the 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 university did uh, make women's soccer a varsity sport yeah. a couple years later after they talked to the the athletic director they they did because they had the other schools to compete with. Now, the other schools had become varsity, too, so they had other schools to compete with. Yeah. And I think out of all the girls that tried out, one made the team. Okay. And so if it wasn't for the club sports, the rest of the girls, they wouldn't have had an activity at all. They wouldn't have been able to play soccer. Yeah. So club sports was really a very important uh, outlet for students. Yeah. And I... I think that most of the students really did appreciate the fact that they did have the facilities and they did have a small budget and they did have the opportunity to compete while they're in school. Yeah. 
it was a really a good program. I wish I would have had it. It's central. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, one thing, I, I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've really, like, I played intramural sports when I was yeah, going to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially because, you know, I, I actually went to Wazoo. Where did you go to school? I went to Wazoo. Oh, did so you? So on the other side. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, if they have a, I don't think they have a guy's soccer team, but uh, I oh, wouldn't have been good enough for yeah, it if they yeah. did. Um, it, but you know what I mean, yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah you, so, I mean, a varsity sport is just, you know, it's very few people that are that skilled and that, yeah. that, that can, you know, get a scholarship. Or, and so, so club sports were just perfect for the students. Yeah. We did lose a lot of our fields to the uh, athletic program. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were able to put in, I think, two turfs. And so that meant that you could program from uh, early afternoon to 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. So you could have the lacrosse club out there for an hour or two, and then you could have the rugby club. And so scheduling of all these activities, that was a big part of my job. And yeah, I'm was, sure. Uh, <laughs> and I, my, my students were pretty lucky because I, they were in the Husky Stadium quite often. Yeah. That's and, very uh, cool. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, one thing that um, I think sports are such a neat um, one. They're like this a great outlet yeah. um, because you're physically exerting yourself. But the other benefit to sports that um, I was just listening to another podcast about this uh, recently was uh, they say that if you're you, you know, with whether you're in school or you're working, you should be doing a sport because it also it actually gives your brain time to not focus on the other stresses of life. Because yeah. if you're really in a game you don't have time to think, oh, well, did I do that project at home or did I do this or that? Like, you're focused in the moment. You have to be or you're going to lose that piece. Exactly. So there's a lot of benefits to sports apart from just the physical and and everything. So I had an interesting uh, conversation with my rugby club president one night. He came in and we sat down in the office and talked. And he said, you know, Sandy, this I had a drinking problem when I came to school. And... uh, you know, I'm so happy that I got involved with this club because it's meant so much to me and my friendship with, with the guys and everything that he said that is it's just, it's cured me. Oh. And it's my life now, just, just to play rugby, you know, and yeah. school and rugby. And I thought, boy, that that is really wonderful. And I could see, I could see how important it was in the lives of these students, whether it was the karate club, the lacrosse club, uh, you know, these, these kids were just, they were so lucky to, to, to have that activity and a sense of belonging on a big campus like the university. Yeah. It was really an important thing. Yeah. I, 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 again, I, I would love to have been a part of something like that at Central. Yeah. I would love to have been in the ski team or uh, just any activity like that would have been great for me. Yeah. Very cool. So what ended up, uh, I'm assuming retirement, um, but what, what kind of uh, ended your career there at UW and, and prodded you to move forward again? Well, I, I retired. Yeah. But, I've, you know, all along I've had the UFTA shop <laughs> during my career there. Okay. So 20 years, I, I was at the U, and I have had my shop. Okay. So it, it wasn't meant to happen that way. I just happened <laughs> to, to start it over a period of time, which I didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. But I'm at the university working. I mean, I don't have time for the shop. Right. It's just that I, 
it happened because I, I did a boutique over a weekend. My dad had a little office at the Viking Village. Okay. And uh, let's see, how did it happen? I have to go back and think about my life. I'm working at the university. I'm very busy. I decide I'm going to take maybe a week or two off at Christmas now. Well, I had gone to the Nordic Fest in Ballard. Okay. And I was... Uh, kind of embarrassing. I was selling uh, Pennsylvania Dutch hex signs, which I fell in love with, where they, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, okay. they paint the barns up with these beautiful signs. Yeah. And they were a little bit German and a little bit Scandinavian, and I fell in love with them. And I was selling them, and I went that summer, it, I think it was 1985, maybe, yeah. way back then, I went to the Stanwood Fair. I had a booth. I sold all kinds of these things. I went to the uh, Linden Fair, and and the Edmonds Fair, which I can't imagine it wasn't juried then or I wouldn't have been in. <laughs> and uh, then I, I ended up going, to, I actually got in the Nordic Fest, which is a big, big thing in, in Ballard, the Nordic Festival every at the museum yeah. every Christmas. And I had a booth at the Nordic Fest. And what, what did I have? My Pennsylvania Dutch hex signs. And then I thought, well, gee, I have to have something Scandinavian. What could I have? And I thought, well... I'll do ufta buckets. And I cut the bottom out of the buckets. Okay. To, and, and I called them ufta buckets and Norwegian clam buckets. Okay. And there was no bottom in the buckets. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny, right? And so uh, I had them hanging all over my booth with these bright signs. And I wish I had pictures. I'd like to go back and think about that a bit. But people came and they laughed and they thought, this is the funniest thing. And actually, I think I got kicked out, and they never wanted me to come back. I think some people didn't think that was funny, <laughs> you know. And when I no look, sense of humor. Well, yeah, but but I'm not an artist, and you know that is such a wonderful. But anyway, mm-hmm. so to make a long story short, I was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I went around and met all these <clears> artists <throat> that woodworking and painting and exquisite kitchen witches, porcelain kitchen witches that you hang up for good luck in your kitchen. And I was amazed at all this beautiful stuff and also embarrassed that I was there. I'm not an artist and I don't know, but these people, this beautiful stuff. And so I got to thinking over the weekend, well, my dad has this little office at the Viking Village and he only has a desk in there and maybe I could borrow it for a weekend or a week and I'll take off from the university and I'll have a little boutique. And I, these artists said, fine, we'll bring stuff up. What do you want? And so I said, well, bring all these things. And they did. And I, I don't know how I put this together, <laughs> but I, I had to build shelves and everything in that little space of my dad's and uh, filled it up with all this beautiful stuff from, from Ballard. Yeah. And there was also a Viking Imports, very nice shop at Viking Village behind me. Okay. And... Uh, it was an exquisite shop, and then we had the bakery, and I, I just thought, gee, it would be nice if the people in Stanwood, if they don't come down to this museum, to see some other wonderful Scandinavian items, and I want to provide them with that. I want to do this for a week, so my dad said, fine. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go <laughs> fix up your little your little place, so I had three or four days to do shelves, and all these artists came, and they brought stuff up, and then the Stanwood News came over, and and they said, oh, we have a new gift shop in town. What's this? I said, no, it's not a gift shop. I'm doing a gift boutique. 
I work at the University of Washington. I'm not having no. This is just something for fun for a week or two. <laughs> and all these people came, and they thought this was just wonderful. Well, it really was because I don't think I've ever had such nice stuff in the store. Everything was handmade, hand hand painted, handmade, beautiful stuff. Yeah. And so that's what happened. My time ran out. I had to get back the. Uh, for winter quarter, I had a very busy job. I had to get back to Seattle, so I asked Dad, could I leave the stuff here for a while? So he would go in, and he was building Armstrong Homes, and he might okay. meet a client or something. He just had a desk. He'd sit there and talk to people, and he'd sell something. People would come in, and he might sell this, he might sell that. And one thing led to another, and then uh, the next uh, couple weeks, the there was a vacancy next door. He decided he was going to rent that. He was going to have a frame shop or something. Yeah. So he, he put a hole in the wall, built a door. And I happened to go a couple weeks later to the gift show. And I had met several vendors or wholesalers from Wisconsin and all over Minnesota. And I ended up ordering things. And then I also did order some furniture country furniture mm -hmm. and then several months later this truck rolls up and dad says what's that i said well i ordered a few things at the gift show can i use that space <laughs> and so my poor dad he said okay but i want to have a frame shop i said well just let me put the furniture in there for a while so we put this furniture in the new space of the ufta shop it was beautiful pine country furniture and then all the other things started coming and i started I had to put shelves in there and put this the other things in there. And so, to make a long story short, my dad lost his place. <laughs> and he ended up at, at the beach in his workshop. Okay. And I would I, I put him to work. I said, Dad, I need uh, Norwegian rolling pins. He said, what's that? I said, just make them square. Norwegian rolling pins. <laughs> and so he started making rolling pins, and then I had had them printed, Norwegian rolling pins, Swedish rolling pins. I said, Dad, I need some bowling balls. What's that? Well, square bowling, just make them square with three holes in them. <laughs> and, and then he, we found out that he was quite a craftsperson. He started making beautiful Norwegian things like potato boxes, bread boxes, <clears throat> and having them hand-painted, and just wonderful stuff that he made for the shop and that went on for years so I gave him something to do yeah and then he also came in and played his accordion every now and then nice so it was kind of fun very cool but that the shop kind of went on for several years just kind of hit and miss and I really didn't hire anybody until probably four or five years later okay and anyway it's been a struggle it's a small place and yeah. it's just you know 400 square feet can you imagine that's very small. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm the size of your coffee stand here. <laughs> but it's been fun. Yeah. Very cool. So over the years then, you've, you've been here for so long. What have been some of the biggest, like, I guess, lessons that you've learned running a shop, you know, in downtown Stanwood? Because there's, I've interviewed a lot of new businesses that are newer shops that are opening in Stanwood. What are some of the big lessons you've learned with working in Stanwood for so long? Not to do it again. <laughs> I, oofta. What are you doing this for? <laughs> no, I'm not really too serious about that. Yeah. Um, well, one of the lessons that I guess I've learned, I mean, I had no idea that I would be 
work myself into working seven days a week at this job here and then, then, then to have this shop. But had I known I was going to continue in retail and that I would enjoy it so much, I certainly would have maybe thought about purchasing a, a property. Yeah. And not renting. Yeah. Yeah. And that the Viking village itself has gone through a lot of evolutions during your time there as well. Like it's had new things and all sorts well, of stuff. Well, at, at the peak, at the best, it's when the IGA grocery store was there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's, it's a wonderful place. And, uh, we tried to add some color. That's all I can say. Yeah. You know, we tried to make it happy, add some color, but it's a wonderful structure. Yeah. I wish that a little more could have been done with it, but it is what it is. And it served a purpose during its time yeah. in Stanwood. Yeah, very cool. So, um, what is uh, if you had to, if someone was asking you like, what is the secret to great retail? What would you tell them? Well, it has to be customer service, as you know. Mm-hmm. Number one. Yeah. Customer service, and to have a place like you've created here uh, with an atmosphere that a place where people want to come. Yeah. And then follow through, follow through with your customers. And the one thing I always try to do if people come in I, and they, I don't have what they want, I try to get it for them. And they don't, and sometimes they're surprised a year later, well, I got your size 4X shirt you wanted. Who's this again? This is the UFTA shop. Remember you ordered this last year. So I think that's important. And yeah. Making people feel uh, important, that, that you're happy they're there. And, you know. Yeah, nice. All right. Um, another thing that uh, I remember, because when we moved up here, uh, we moved up in 95, 94. You're a newbie. Um, I know. <laughs> You're a newbie. Oh, my gosh. I'm an oldie. <laughs> so yeah. when we moved up here, um, we would come and visit the uh, Ufta shop. Did and, you? Oh. Um, that makes me feel like grandma. <laughs> I'll tell you. My dad yeah. loved the shop. Yes, I, I remember know. The, I know. he would always take anyone that came and visited really? from Arizona. I know. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've enjoyed the most. I think that's, I mean, what, that's the best compliment you can have when the local people bring their friends in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's been, it's been quite amazing to me that I, you know, that people have, uh, from various places have come in. Oh, we've heard about this shop for a long time and we're finally here. <laughs> yeah. I always well, wanted to be bigger, but I never got to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> you never got to. Yeah. So. Um, but one of the things that I remember stood out to me is when we would walk into the shop, there would be music playing. Oh, and yeah. my dad would always, mm-hmm. um, my dad bought a lot of the cassettes that you had there of Stan Borison. That's Stan's last CD. Okay. Yeah. It says, I, the song, yeah. And I just remember he would play that music. Once he bought those yeah, tapes, he'd be playing really? them all the time. Yeah. So. Well, as you know, well, you probably know through, through your dad that uh, my, my dad and Stan were first cousins. Okay. They were as close as two brothers could be. Okay. And they, Stan wanted to learn to play the accordion like his cousin Harry. Mm-hmm. And so Stan took lessons. He learned how to play the accordion like his dad. And that... Uh, yeah, what a, what a joy to see those two guys together. They just, they loved each other. They just loved to play their accordions together. And I was lucky to to have Stan come to the store several times. And uh, I remember one time there were like, 
probably 200 people in the parking lot. He just stood up in a chair and entertained in a chair in front of the shop. But Stan came in all the time and because uh, we had summer homes mm-hmm. together at Arrowhead Beach. My my father and Stan <clears throat> bought property in 1957. Okay. And they built two twin homes on Arrowhead Beach. So I was able to grow up with accordion music on the deck. Yeah. And, and a lot of jokes. <laughs> I don't think Stan ever came up to the beach when he didn't walk over and say, you yes, want to hear another yoke? <laughs> and we'd sit and listen to Stan and his funny jokes. What a wonderful man. Yeah. And uh, it was fun when, when people would come in and buy his CDs, which I've sold for since I opened. And I'd say, well, would you like me to have it signed by Stan? Go, well, how could you do that? And I said, well, I happen to know him. I'll, you come back next weekend. And I'll have it signed. And I would send his, his CDs to Seattle. He'd sign it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. Oh, people that's loved so cool. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when people came in and, and Stan was there and they'd, they'd come up, is that, is that Stan Borson? That looks like Stan. I'd say, yeah, do you want to meet him? Stan, come over here. Well, I'm so happy to meet you. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he just was had more fun. He danced one time with a woman in the shop. They were trying to do the polka. <laughs> <laughs> It's really fun. Uh, well, I just remember enjoying the music and stuff, and I just thought you like that yeah. music, though. That some people I don't it was get hilarious. it. Yeah, some yeah. people don't get it, but yeah. So I will be calling his daughter Annie today, and I will be getting. Uh, if anybody plays CDs anymore, I will have stands two CDs. Uh, yes, go nuts at Christmas, and the other one is Fractures, Christmas. Okay. And those CDs, I'll have them in the shop again. And I will get his last CD, uh, Don't Look Good Naked Anymore. I'll get that one, too. Okay. So, Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've just, yeah, I remember that and the, the shop. And it's just been such an iconic place within yeah. Stanwood for so long. Yeah. It's so funny when people come in, you know, and uh, they'll say, well, I, I was here when I was a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. I came in when I was a little boy. I said, yeah, I'm grandma. I was here then. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah, cool. it's amazing. It's it's, uh, it's been a fun, fun journey. That's all I can say. And I, I've loved every minute of it. Yeah. And so now are you the primary person working Yeah, that's days? me. Yeah. All right. I worked myself into seven days. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago I did that. Then when I retired, I thought, oh, well, who's going to run the shop? The reality is you're going to. You're either going to employ people or you're going to run it yourself. I decided I've employed people all these years. I'm going to run it myself. Yeah. So for the last 11 years, I've been there. Nice. Well, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I know you you do have a timeline because I know you need to open the shop, but um, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Oh, good. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? I just bought a vacuum for my car. Oh, there you go. A handheld vacuum cleaner. That's really smart. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm always like, I should vacuum. I don't want to drag the vacuum out. That's smart. My niece wanted one years ago, and I thought, that is the most boring thing to get somebody for Christmas, and I absolutely am thrilled that I got one. (laughs) Sometimes it's the little things. It's the little things. (laughs) All right. Uh, Who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Well, it would be when I went to Germany and I met my best friend. Uh, She was a German woman in the travel business. Okay. And she would be the most influential person in my life. Nice. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Live in Zermatt, Switzerland. Okay. 
You still have time. Zermatt. I still have time. I you know can it. Easily make I it. gotta work that out. Yeah, I gotta get rid of this place <laughs> so I can do something. All right. Uh, who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? I've just happened to have it right here. Mary Margaret Haugen, Senator nineteen ninety three to two thousand thirteen. All right. And maybe you've interviewed her already. I did. I was did able you? to interview her and it was yeah, it's fascinating. I really enjoyed oh, it. Okay. So but thank you. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Uh, play more, travel more. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the okay, podcast Brandon, today. Okay, Brandon. Well, thank you so much. And you've created a beautiful place here at the Marketplace. And I'll be sure to send UFTA uh, customers out here. All right. And likewise. To say hello to you. All right. Okay. Thank you. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Sandy Lindbeck for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash podcast. That's commandocommons.com slash podcast. Hey, guys, have a happy new year. Uh, I hope you guys are starting to get your planning done for 2023. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, have a Merry Christmas, uh, all of those things. Um, and thanks for another great year of the podcast. Um, super excited for next year. And um, yeah, see you guys in the new year. And for that, I will see you guys 